Hey, hello, hi, everyone. Welcome to and are back to the Equitheory podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese, and heck yeah, I still got it. And also, I have to apologize. <laughs> Let's get into it. As you guys know, before we get into the actual content of this episode, I have an ad to read you. So here we go. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, guys, when you become a patron of the podcast by joining at patreon.com slash equitheory, you'll gain access to all kinds of opportunities to benefit you and your horse. Being an equitheory patron means that you're able to gain a like-minded community of progressive equestrians via our Discord server, ask your burning training questions, and have them answered on the podcast live monthly Q&A Zoom events, and the option to schedule phone call consults with me to help you work through a behavioral or training-related issue, and at the very highest tier, the option to submit up to 30 minutes of video per month for me to review and critique. You can break it up however you would like. So the Patreon is set up to accommodate budgets, and you are free to cancel at any time, penalty-free. So become a patron of the podcast today. Help me and the horses, and help yourself. Well, alrighty, with that very ad loud ad what? With that very loud ad out of the way, my god, it is 8.35 p.m., uh, which should not be late, but I did just take an hour-long nap, which was not wise, but I really wanted to record this episode tonight um, because this is the only time I'm going to be able to record it in the current knowledge sphere that I possess? Is that a way to say? I do, I'm trying to be superfluous here. Um, after tomorrow, I'm going to know too much to make this episode. So that's why I'm making it tonight. Um, I've had a very long day of packing and prepping. And now I'm about to tell you why, which you can probably already tell by the title of this episode, which I have intentionally likely made uh, quite clickbaity. But um I have some news to break to the podcast fam. If you haven't been on any social media platform in which you follow me in on, um, on which you follow me, then you are not aware. Um, so I'm telling you now, get to the point, Jill, stop, stop doing this baiting thing to keep my interest. And also it's in the title. Um, Zoe is having kissing spine surgery. So this might come as a shock to some of you, as it did me, and I kind of put off posting about it for quite some time because I was like, I have made such a case against this now that um, it seems hypocritical or 
odd for me to do this, but um, I have reasons, which is why I chose to make kind of a long format, um, you know, content like this. So um, let me give you guys the rundown. So on May 8th of 2020, Zoe was diagnosed with kissing spine. And what that means is that the spinous processes that rise up out of the vertebrae in her back, as they do every horse's back, um, are beginning to touch one another. So imagine if you haven't seen an x-ray or aren't familiar with it. Um, actually, it should be the cover photo for this episode. I'm planning on doing that. So if it's not, um, you can refer to the blog post that I have up on my jetequithery.com website. Um, it's under blog and why my heart horse needs surgery. Uh, and if you want to read that, it's there. I spent a very long time neurotically writing and organizing it. So that is also there for your viewing pleasure um, and educational purposes, because I do also have an entire section in my education tab of my website uh, entitled Kissing Spine that has literally every research article, video, podcast, um, lecture, anything that I could find Kissing Spine relevant, um, it's in there. So if you are concerned that your horse may have Kissing Spine or this, some of the things that I talk about that I was experiencing with Zoe um, sound familiar familiar to you, you might consider getting your horse checked, but you can, uh, you know, refer to those articles and videos at your leisure and, you know, see if your horses get something going on. So um, as I was saying, uh, the spinous processes that rise up out of their vertebrae um, look like big, tall fingers. And when the back Imagine like a suspension bridge with like a bunch of wooden planks and it's stretched all the way out. And then, you know, if the if the boards aren't secured in place on the rope, if you lift up either side of the bridge, then in the center, it's going to make a, a U shape or a parabola for my math fans. I hope that that's factual. I haven't been in a math class in a very long time. Um, but all of the boards are going to kind of slide to the middle and start to either pile on top of each other or pass one another or get really close together. So that's essentially what kissing spine is. Um, I'm sure there's a better metaphor for it, but that's the way that I picture it in my head and um, the way that I demonstrate it in my blog post because I took the time to find a picture of a bridge. It doesn't exactly um, show what I'm talking about, but you know what? There's a bridge there. Uh, anyway, so her spinous processes are uh, overriding in some places and impinging in others, which means they're just touching or they're passing one another. That would be overriding. Impinging is where they're just like pressing on each other. So um, it's difficult to explain because initially when she got the diagnosis and I did research, it seemed that the general consensus was that kissing spine happens because of a weakness in the horse's back uh, and top line, as well as in their core. And so I was like, okay, bet if I just strengthen Zoe's top line and her core and help her carry her head in a lower head carriage, her hind end engage, it'll help spread out those spinal processes. And then she won't have kissing spine. Well, she will, but she, it won't um, be symptomatic for. Her. So that was my original plan of action. And I can't tell you why I didn't 
proceed with like shockwave therapy or injections or anything like that. In hindsight, that would have been the kind and humane thing likely to do. Shockwave can be kind of painful, not that an injection's not, but um, so uh, there's mixed reviews on Shockwave, but that's what my vet recommended. And l- like I said, I can't tell you why I didn't do it. I honestly think I was just very overwhelmed with the diagnosis and didn't really know what to do, what the right answer was. And as a result, I just had indecision paralysis. And, you know, from what I read online, it seemed like it was possibly unnecessary. But in recent months, when I started doing more digging into it, um, I I just I feel kind of dumb, not kind of dumb, pretty dumb, that, um, you know, we could have done the injections to help reduce some of the inflammation and her pain all of this time. And I feel like an asshole. But um, that said, um, you know, I thought that there would be more change because I, I was watching, I believe it was Platinum Performance's video over Kissing Spine. Um, you can find that video linked under my education tab on my website as well under the Kissing Spine um, info post. Um, but that was a lecture that featured a bunch of different experts on Kissing Spine. It was all a big group Zoom meeting. And I think that's where it came up that sometimes horses that have colic surgery, you know, you're cutting all of their abdominal muscles. So then their back sags and then it can present kissing spine Um, because now their back is the only thing holding them up until their core heals. So then I was I was reflecting back. And if you if you go on my post um, on my blog post that I wrote and scroll to like the middle under the after her diagnosis subheading, um, you can see the difference from September 2016 to November 19 of 2020, um, the difference in her top line and how much strength she built up because we changed her paddocks. So, you know, um, the September 16th photo is um, over two years past her colic surgery because her colic surgery was in July of 2018. So her top line looked like shit. And it shouldn't have for all intents and purposes. Granted, she was out of work, but it shouldn't have been that bad. And the difference in those two photos was simply that I changed her fields. So she was originally in one field that was a pretty flat walk from hay to water to grass, whatever. Um, There wasn't much of a hill in it. And then I changed her to a field where it was a, a decent incline that she had to walk up to get water and then back down to get hay. Um, or forage or what have you, um, and her grain buckets were also much lower. So she was doing a lot more moving, and it was also all on an incline because that entire field is pretty much an incline. There are a few flat spots, but for the most part, it's all an incline. So uh, she really strengthened her core and her top line, and I was like, well, I didn't even need to do the rehab because I did not because I got busy and she got put on the back burner, which is irresponsible on my part, but you know what? We can't change the past. We can only learn from it, right? <laughs> um, I feel so bad about not doing anything, but it it happens. There is no excuse, no justification. I just, I should have done it and I didn't, but um, I'm also like not super broken up that I didn't do anything because like it wouldn't have helped because it, um, the more research I did, the more I came to the conclusion that kissing spine is genetic. And, um, you know, it was pretty well into, um, the year cause it, 
she got diagnosed tw- uh, in May of 2018, or oh my god, in May of 2020, and then I re-X-rayed her uh, in March this year. So that's a full year apart, and uh, pretty far into that span of time is when I realized that kissing spine was like it actually has been proven or like pretty well proven to be a genetic thing so then presented the like issue that I was like oh I can't change it it's not an environmental thing that's popped up it's it because I originally I was under the impression that it was um maybe a genetic thing but you know, in Zoe's case, not likely. There are just so many things that I know for a damn fact contributed to her back pain and why she was so symptomatic or is still, um, that I, I was like, this has got to be environmental. And that seemed like, you know, the more comfortable explanation because then we didn't have to do anything about it, um, except rehab her and bring her back into work, um, properly. So, yeah, this is where things started to change because, um, you know, kissing spine is still sort of a new thing. Um, like, it's not new. Horses have been dealing with kissing spine for ever, practically. But um, we only just recently started figuring out that this is a potential cause of some equine back pain in, um, you know, relatively. <laughs> it's not like... Um, you know, last year they found out about kissing spine. It's, I don't know what exactly the, the window of time is, but relative to how long we've known about things like colic and, um, arthritis, it's pretty new. So essentially, as you can imagine, kissing spine is pretty painful for a lot of horses. However, it's a bit confusing because, um, they have done studies and found that two-year-olds also, can have kissing spine and not be symptomatic whatsoever at all. Um, I believe it was the straight from the horse doctor's mouth where they discussed a study that demonstrated why it's a genetic thing. But um, it's (laughs) they were talking about a bunch of really young horses that have kissing spine on their radiographs but aren't symptomatic at all. They just x-rayed them for the surgery, not because they had any inkling that there was a back issue. Um, however, I I don't know. I feel like I have a caveat with that. I will preface my caveat by saying I am not a veterinarian and am not extremely well-versed and have not read this aforementioned study and also, like, what do I know? I don't know any of these horses or their history, but I do have to wonder, based on what I know about training and behavior, if the reason those horses aren't quote-unquote symptomatic is because of a general perception or training history. Um, because the primary um, primary population that they're looking at are race horses, and I believe, um, I want to say barrel horses or futurity horses or something like that. Horses that are, like, started pretty young. Um, so it's it's kind of like a coin toss for me whether or not 
and I would have to have so much more data. It's more just a suspicion than anything. It's not like, you know, I know this for sure. I'm accusing anybody. But um, I do have to wonder about the training practices and if those horses are in a position where they're perhaps, you know, not symptomatic because of the way that they've been trained or handled, that they aren't, you know, able to express that it's painful um, for fear of reprimand, perhaps, or um, they are expressing it, but, you know, people are writing it off as the horse's, you know, a chestnut mare or what have you. I don't know. That's just kind of my, like, underlying suspicion about that. But um, it's it's possible that there are horses out there that have kissing spine that literally it doesn't bother them at all. Um, I find that hard to believe because of the what I know about the equine back. Um, I find it really hard to believe that the spinous processes impinging and overriding one another, putting pressure, pinching nerves and ligaments and tendons in the back by being on top of one another and having bones physically rubbing together isn't painful. That seems like, I don't know, I could just not be understanding this at all, or maybe there's no feeling there, but I find that really hard to believe because in my experience, and maybe it's just working with thoroughbreds, horses' backs are really sensitive, and for something like that to not be painful just seems incomprehensible to me, I guess. But that tangent aside, um, Zoe is symptomatic. And I will now discuss why I I say that. So um, obviously the first one is the propeller tail. Zoe for years has been famous in on YouTube and Instagram and all of the places that I've posted throughout the years that we've been together. Um, she's been famous for her tail because it's constantly swishing violently or ringing in circles or flicking or spinning. And she just always is with the tail. Like everybody who has ever seen Zoe go knows about her tail. Um, I had the only time anybody has ever mentioned to me that something might be wrong with her was Cindy Thaxton, who is a, a Grand Prix dressage instructor and rider. Um, she was concerned that she might have ovarian cysts. And another veterinarian or a veterinarian said the same thing. Um, but he, uh, we were at a show. Or actually, I believe we were at a clinic. And he saw her go and I was having her feet done while we were there and I was talking to him about it and he was like, yeah, I watched her go and I'm worried about the, she might have ovarian cysts and I was like, oh, well, what do we do about that? And he actually palpated her there and he was like, nope, got nothing and won't know unless we do imaging. But um, I'm, I don't know that it's that because she never really gets, you know, she, she doesn't change when she comes into cycling or not. And I may have to look more into it and explore that as well, but I'm kind of like one thing at a time here. Um, it seems pretty clear to me that her back is painful. Um, she has never softened over her top line. She's always traveled inverted. Even if she looks round or tracks up, her back is still ridiculously tight. And um, I can only think of a couple times where like, and it was just a one in a million day where she would soften over her back and really stretch down and keep a rhythm without rushing or falling on her forehand or just like, you know, not traveling well. 
So um, she constantly looked like an upside down banana horse. She is rather beefy at the moment, but, um, you know, the base of her neck was always um, really big and not and well muscled when it shouldn't be. It should be the top of her neck and the base of her neck. And, um, you know, she's an attractive enough and well built enough horse that it didn't look obvious. But in looking at old pictures now, I it's all I can see. So um, another thing that she did was she would travel incorrectly. So she would, or no, she would jump incorrectly, sorry. Um, she would, it's hard to explain, but there's a particular video where it's really obvious. And it's one of my most recent videos of me actually competing her where we're at Texas or at Holly Hill. And it's her, her training run. I can't remember if that was the last show we did or if Texas Rose was, but it's anyway, it's one of my like last com- competition videos with her. And in the show jump, you can clearly see her not using her hind end to jump. So like she takes off and, you know, she collects herself before the jump like horses do. But when she goes to jump, it's like she arches her back in inverts and her head comes up and when she goes to jump, she lifts with her brachiocephalic muscles, those at the base of her neck where her neck connects to her chest, and like pulls herself up instead of rounding over her back and lifting her front legs with her shoulder. She's pulling herself off the ground with her um, neck, which makes sense because her hocks were also sore, probably. Um, she's curbed both of them uh, once and one of them twice. So um, she. She's got those issues, and then when we did our second set of x-rays, we discovered, um, because I also had him x-ray her hawks, that her hawks are fusing, which was a fun piece of information. And um, so (laughs) now we're dealing with that as well. Um, But the good news is about the hawks, which I'm going to preface this by saying I will probably have to do a more in-depth episode in the future because I haven't had a chance to fully dive into it the way that I'd like to. But from my current understanding is in in a horse's hawk, there are these two um, like almost hamburger patty like structures that stack on top of each other. Um, Think of like a double whopper from Burger King, if you will. and there should be like a small gap in between each of the proverbial patties in the situation. And that is the the joint. But when hawks start to fuse, um, you know, that joint goes away as they calcify together. So um, I don't really know how to paint a picture for you guys, but there are the two hamburger patties. And if you like on one side of it, the whole thing is like a unit. It's just one. And then on the other side, it there's still a little bit of the joint. So that joint right now is being compressed and is in the process of fusing. From my understanding, they don't always completely fuse. Um, and sometimes that also requires surgical intervention, which I looked up uh, a hawk fusing surgery. And oh my God, that's terrible. It's so bad. <laughs> like, why can't we figure out another way to do that? Um, surely it can't be the only way. If you've never seen it before um, and you're squeamish, don't look it up. But essentially, they just take a drill into the joint and just drill out the joint. So it's just straight bone on bone until it has to fuse. And I was like, Oh my God, 
that has to hurt so bad. Like, so bad. Not that kissing spine surgery is really any better, but um, it just looks barbaric. But I don't know. I haven't read anything about that yet. That's That's been on the back burner while I'm dealing with this. But um, all that to say that she was jumping incorrectly and wasn't rounding over her back, which was also not helping because when she lifted up with her neck muscles, that pushed or, like, crushed her back even more, essentially. Um, so she took inversion to from a U-shape to a V-shape. And, um, yeah, so the she just never reached down through the rain contact and was always tight in her back. And another big thing that she did was constantly swapping leads behind. Like, our dressage tests were atrocious because we couldn't canter a 20-meter circle without her swapping leads behind. I thought it was an anxiety-related behavior because none of the professionals around me had ever indicated to me that that could possibly be a sign of pain. And looking back, I'm kicking myself in the face for not considering that. I was just so used to writing things off as an issue um, with Zoe's personality or her anxiety um, and just being frustrated with it rather than being like, maybe she's uncomfortable. (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ, it's just not that difficult. Um, so, um, that's generally an indication of hawk problems, but, um, my hypothesis is that the hawk issues are a side effect of the kissing spine from traveling incorrectly and putting undue weight on her hawks, as well as having them curbed before. Um, she curbed both of them at the track and, um, then one of them at Middle Tennessee, Uh, when we ran our first novice. So um, I think it was when she got out of the trailer to get there, but she was fine all weekend. It was the Monday that I came to see her after we got home and her hawk was all blown up. So she might've done something in the pasture. I don't know. But um, curbing hawks, that's kind of hard to explain, but essentially like if you've ever seen the back of Zoe's hawks, she has what's called uh, freeze firing. It's not pin firing. It's freeze firing on her, um, where she has these little symmetrical white dots on the back of her hawks. And you can look up a picture of curbed hawks to see, like, there's a little bump there. It's something to do with the ligament having an issue, blah, blah, blah. I haven't looked at that in a very long time. It's not super well versed on that. Again, hawks are my next project. Right now I'm dealing with spine. Um, but... Once her hawks fuse, because right now they're arthritic, but once they fuse, um, my vet said that she will be totally fine. It will not hurt anymore, and she. the only problem is that she'll have lost range of motion. So she won't be able to um, bend her hawk as much. So what that means for us in the future is that if everything goes according to plan with the surgery, um, we will not ever jump again because uh, that seems like a very bad idea to me and not fair to her in the slightest because jumping kind of requires a bit of hawk contraction. Yeah, so I'll get to the actual, like, recent sort of thing. I I felt like I needed to give the backstory on everything. Um, the, The things that I think contributed the most to her back pain were obviously the genetic element of kissing spine. Um, And also, you know, in the Straight from the Horse Doctor's Mouth podcast, they said that it has nothing to do with how much weight is on a young back. But, um, you know, from my humble opinion, uh, I am not a veterinarian, but I just can't believe that um, 
riding a yearling with a full-grown man on <laughs> the horse, not like jockey size, but like a six-foot-plus man um, who broke Zoe in has no effect on her back health. I just... That's a stretch for me. Um, and, you know, they said that there's no evidence to support the fact that a rider's weight or the age the horse has started has any impact on it. But I feel like... I don't know. I Like I said, I have my suspicions. I feel like this is that's more of a political issue. Um, you know, like, people get really upset when you tell them they can't ride their horses until they're four or three. Um so I feel like that's kind of maybe why that is being said. But at the same time, I'm like, for the sake of the horses, we know that their spines don't set until they're six. So why are we not pushing that information instead of being like, yeah, it doesn't have any effect at all. It's totally fine. Um, I'm just a little bit confused on that narrative. And that may be not what the um, veterinarian speaking on that podcast meant. But um, they did definitely say that th it you know, the age that they're started and the weight on their back doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't affect the kissing spine. Um, I think it's safe to say that it definitely affects back pain. You know, if, um, take me, who is five foot eight and must ride in a 17 and a half inch saddle, if I ride a 13 hand pony, my saddle is too big for this pony and I likely weigh too much. Um, so my saddle is going to be on a sensitive part of the horse's lumbar spine, which your saddle should never be on your horse's lumbar spine. Um, and that can cause back issues. So, you know, if a 6'5 man is on a thoroughbred that is a yearling that doesn't have a fully developed back and isn't the size that they're going to be and has a likely short disproportionate back... To get on in a properly fitting saddle with your weight, you know, you're going to put pressure on your instruction. It's just, I don't know, sticky for me. But moving aside that point, um, I began competing Zoe as a three-year-old. Um, I competed her once um, in her three-year-old year, I believe. And I don't think I competed her again until the spring of her four-year-old year, um, which she would have just been just a fresh four-year-old. Um, but the first time I competed her was in the fall of her three-year-old year. So... Um, and then it was pretty much back to back to back to back to back every other weekend in the spring and, uh, fall seasons that we were showing and just showing her constantly. Um, she had a few down periods, but I mean, we went from starter to training, um, from, hold on, she was born in 2011, she went in 2 in 2012, 3 in 2013, wait, no, 2 in 2013, and then 3 in 20, get there, Jill, 2014, so, um, from about 2015 to 2018 was the span of time that we went from starter to training, and, um, you know, I was riding her pretty much five to seven days a week, um, constantly taking her to clinics, taking her to shows and just doing way too much too fast. Um, obviously I have a horse that is retired at 10 years old. Um, hopefully after this week, she will not be completely retired, um, and likely never able to be retired again. Um, but I'll get into that later. 
So um, it's just hard for me to believe that competing for that long and while she was that young and that hard with saddles that did not fit, despite the saddle maker, um, who I'm not naming in this episode, <laughs> um, but we did have the the like actual guy and or the actual like team that built the saddle um, come out to our farm and evaluate the saddles because they were made for Bo. And they came out and looked at the saddles on Zoe and they said, yeah, they fit her perfectly. No worries. And um, then I had several other saddle fitters look at it and go, what on earth? That doesn't fit at all. And they showed me why it didn't fit. So it wasn't just like, these don't fit, take my saddles instead. Um, and I've done more research on saddle fit and I'm taking the saddle fit for life, uh, certified equine ergonomist course. So now I know quite, quite a bit more about saddle fitting and, um, oh my God, they didn't fit at all. It's no wonder <laughs> like it's, there are just so many things that go into it. Like, yes, there's a genetic element, but since she couldn't use her back and top line because the saddle was probably very uncomfortable and pinching or putting, you know, not distributing the weight properly, it just, there's so many things that created this issue that it's, this is why I wanted to do a podcast about it because there are so many things that went into it that it's almost impossible to know what is actually the cause. Um, I'm sure we could x-ray her mom, Amber, um, to see if she has kissing spine. But the difference with Amber is A, I don't own her and B, Amber, I don't think, I think Amber is... God, how old is she? I think she might be 18 or 19. And she hasn't been ridden in probably 15 years. So, I mean, like, the chances of Amber having as severe back pain as Zoe has is probably little to none because Amber was a racehorse. And then I think she was ridden a couple times after being off the track. And then she was a broodmare. So while that might have contributed, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know. Um, bottom line is she's not my horse. And um, we have enough emergencies that my boss is currently over the vet bill situation. So that might be something we bring up later. But um, anyway, Zoe, Zoe has had a much harder career than Amber has. And um so it's just it's hard to know with the saddle fit and then subsequently not being able to travel correctly and then chicken or the egg was the back pain there before and that's why she traveled incorrectly or was it the saddles which the saddles had to be causing some sort of issue being started so young genetic element how long and how hard we competed and you know exercise like and incorrectly too because I was not under the best instruction ever and it's what's available in Arkansas you know <laughs> but um I can tell you one thing's for sure I will never again ride under a professional that doesn't stay up to date with evolving data and training methodology um it's I just think it's really the responsible of the trainer to stay current and up to date. Like, obviously, not everyone can know everything, but I do think it's irresponsible to just rely on information that's, you know, several decades old. And that's not to hate on my uh, previous trainer. I still love her and we're friends, but, um, you know, I am allowed to say that her training methods probably weren't as good as they could have been. Um, and you know, I think it should be every trainer's goal to work to improve their information and education and subsequently their instruction. 
Um, but yeah, so I just remember several times just begging my trainer to let me move up to training because I was like, our dressage is just straight up not going to get better. She's too anxious. It's not happening. And she was like, yeah, that's that. I get it. Like, if you don't care about winning, then, you know, you're safe enough on cross country and show jump that, you know, you'll be fine. And maybe giving her more things to do in a dressage test will help keep her busy. Because in her defense, novice tests are all very straight lines, which is really not fair for young learning horses to just do a bunch of straight lines. Um, I know when I ride our young ones, it's on a lot of bending lines because it's very hard to be balanced going straight. And so, um, you know, I mean, I guess maybe that's the point, but that seems like more of an upper level thing to me. So in the training test, yes, there are things like extended and stretchy trot, but I think those are the things that we should be more focusing on at the lower levels. Like, why wouldn't you want the horse to be stretching down over its top line and, um, you know, having transitions within the gates, more circles, like, huh? So I, I don't disagree with my decision totally, but the answer wasn't just to ignore dressage because she's being quote unquote naughty in the lower levels. Um, and surprise, it wasn't any different at the upper levels. Um, so yeah, uh, the last thing that I think contributed was the harmful labels of that she's just a mare, blah, blah, blah. And literally every trainer had some sort of training solution to the issue, but nobody offered a, like, nobody, I except for Cindy Thaxton and um, the veterinarian. Those two were the only people that ever suggested she might be in pain. And once we kind of nixed the idea that it might be an ovarian issue... Um, it was like, uh, okay, I guess she's just being bad then. Um, or she's just hot. She's a spicy mare. Um, so it's just, it's frustrating, but this is why I emphasize on this podcast that, you know, veterinarians are medical professionals to treat medical issues. Usually some of them do do behavior work, but not a lot of them. Some of them also do chiropractic work, but not all of them. Some of them also do dentistry, but not all of them. And that doesn't mean just because they do it, it's their realm of expertise. Because do you know how much has to be covered in vet school? Like, cut your vets a break. They don't have to know everything. Um, but that said, um, trainers know how to fix training issues. A lot of them don't know how to fix behavioral issues other than just beating the horse or laughing at it and filming it and putting it on TikTok to make a joke and then yell at people that say that they are harming their relationship with their horse or their horse's welfare. <laughs> um, but behaviorists are supposed to look at behavior and causes for behavior. And there are really only a couple of possibilities, but trying to figure out the manifestation of something like pain can be difficult because you're like, okay, the horse is acting this way. It's probably painful, but where? Um, and so that's that's what I've drifted into, you know, in learning about positive reinforcement. I have become and am on my way to becoming a certified behavior consultant. And so now I look at things like that and I am just like appalled that nobody ever said anything to me because like these are people that have been in the industry for years. And even if you're not a professional behaviorist, you should know you should have a, enough of a grasp on equine behavior to know when a horse is acting painful. And we're so quick to write them off as bad or naughty. But that is a separate tangent that I'm sure if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you have heard in so many words enough times. So let's actually get into what's happening right now. So I had Zoe um, 
re-x-rayed because I had seen such a dramatic change in her top line since I moved her to a paddock with a hill in it. And I was like, oh, maybe we've done some, you know, uh, like more, oh God, less invasive, more conservative approach, whatever you want to say. Um, and I was like, maybe we've just fixed it. And it was kind of a, cause we got her x-rayed right after, or like a, mm, two years. No. When did I get her? Okay. Like maybe two years after her, um, a year and a half after her colic surgery. So I was like, maybe she just hadn't built the top line back up because she'd been out of work. Um, so maybe that's why we're seeing the kissing spine and it's not actually a result of a genetic flaw. So I decided to have her re-x-rayed and I got the vet out on March 2nd of 2021 this year. And, um, that was just over a month ago because I'm recording this on April 14th. So, um, we re-x-rayed her and I had a different vet out because I, I wanted to kind of kill two birds with one stone and get a different opinion. And uh, what we found was disheartening. There had literally been no change whatsoever in her back and kissing spine. So um, then that was kind of earth shattering for me. I don't know why. I, like, I, I had a feeling that something was still wrong, which is why I re-x-rayed her. But I had really hoped to see some change and there was just nothing. And so initially I just threw my hands up in the air and I was like, nope, we're not doing it. She's already been through colic surgery. I'm not going to put her through another surgery and we're just going to have to call it. She's retired. I'm never going to ride her again. I'm never going to jump her again. Nothing. She will just be a pretty pasture ornament who occasionally costs me vet bills because she is so accident prone. Um, but... um you know, I was like, this is just it. And um, that was a really hard thing to come to terms with that, like, I'm never going to be able to ride my horse again. And, um, you know, I I took a couple weeks and I talked about it on the podcast. And, you know, I said, and this is where my apology that I mentioned in the intro comes in, that uh, the last episode I recorded, which is titled... Uh, number three, biting, bolting, and riding with ulcers. Um, and at the end of that episode, I said that the following Tuesday's episode would be over kissing spine, and I never recorded it. And I think the reason that that happened was because I was still kind of emotional about it and knew that I hadn't really fully made my decision. And I, I kept thinking about that. I was like, I was like, I know that I've posted on Instagram and said that I'm never writing her again, but I just, I don't know how to talk about it yet. I think I was kind of afraid if I started talking about it that I would realize that I didn't agree with what I was saying. So I just never followed up. So I have to apologize for those of you that were like checking to see if the video was up and it just never came. Um, I just, I wasn't ready to talk about it and... um I really hadn't reached a decision. So, you know, I just, I just kind of like stopped thinking about it halfway through March. And then up there towards the end of March, I maybe like the last half of the last second to last week in March, I was like, okay, I am thinking about this more. What if I just look into it a little bit more, research it some more, see like, you know, 
I don't know why. I really didn't have like a goal. I just had an intuitive draw to look into Kissing Spine more. And I had a free moment, so I did it. And um, I started reading about the surgery and um, just dug a little bit more about Cliff Honest, who was featured in that Platinum Performance video that I uh, just talked about. Um, and he is the surgeon that came up with the Kissing Spine surgery. And um, he's works out of Texas Equine Hospital, which is in Bryan, Texas. And he is, you know, like the leading guy on it, I guess. And they're only six hours away because I I was like, I just wonder out of curiosity, how far is the hospital? It's five hours and 57 minutes from the farm. So I was like, it's just, it almost seems like, a, like it's too good to be true. Like, how could I not, right? Um, at least consider and evaluate my options here. So I started talking about it with my boss, Sonny, and I just kind of vomited out all of the reasons why I think I might want to do the surgery, and um, I will recount those for you now. So, A, the surgeon who is, like, you know, the top guy on Kissing Spine is six hours away from me instead of being in, like, Norway or Finland or something. Um, so that's incredible. Um, they are a sports medicine specialized hospital with some of the best, you know, veterinarian surgeons and technicians there. So I'm like, ah, it seems like, you know, it, it's just, it's so convenient that it's like, how could I not? Um, secondly, it occurred to me that Zoe is... 10 years old and she has been probably symptomatic since she was like f between four and six um, and has demonstrated issues of dealing with pain. And now she's 10 and, you know, injecting at this point is not going to change the way her back looks. It's like it's it is that unless we operate. Um, so am I just going to let her live out in the pasture knowing that she's in pain because even if I'm not riding her, her back pain is still going to be there from years of using her body incorrectly. And, um, that's the way she's learned to move now. Um, and there's just so many reasons that I just, it made me sick to think about. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, her life expectancy is probably going to decrease because I'm not going to keep her alive just because I love her um, if she's in pain. So it's like, you know, it's it's a chronic thing. You know, chronic pain gets worse with time and she's already in so much pain right now. It's like, how can I just let that happen and let it get worse and then eventually have to put her down you know, in a couple years rather than see if I can't help her live a longer, happier life. And when I had that thought, um, I think it was the one I had been avoiding and the reason I didn't record the episode. Um, when I had that thought, I was like, there isn't an option here. Um, it's, I mean, like, yes, it would be incredible to ride Zoe again, but I would say that's probably about 20% of my decision 
and I would never have made the decision to do the surgery on her just so I could ride. Um, you know, if I was never able to ride Zoe again, yes, it would be sad, but there's so much more to Zoe that it that doesn't matter. Um, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't glad that there is a prospect that we'll be riding again soon. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much where we're at. Um, you know, I just, it, there really just wasn't a decision past, you know, I'm risking her longevity and I have already done so much <laughs> to this poor horse and she has given me everything. She has changed my perception on the horse world. She, you know, she just lifted me up in so many ways on YouTube, Instagram, in the competition world, and she just let me live my dream and to not do something for her to make her life better is just not an option. And after I realized that, I was like, well, shit, now I have to speak with my family about this. Um, and I was really afraid that I was going to get the, you know, classic dad side, the Jill and so I didn't bring it up until Easter, which was April 4th. I was home with my family um, because they celebrate it. And um, I just found the right in. <laughs> um, my dad was sitting on the couch across from me and I was in a chair and I don't remember how I got there. But once I realized that I was in a conversation about something semi-relevant, then I could segue into it subtly. <laughs> And so I started talking about it and I was very nervous and just like kind of spitting out my entire, you know, rehearsed PowerPoint presentation um, on why I think we should do the surgery. And, you know, I was like, I just, I don't know, I just feel like it's the right thing to do. And my dad was like, well, you don't want her to live in pain. And I was like, oh my God, you're on my side. Hell yeah. I don't know. I don't know why, like, you you would think that I would know my parents well enough at this point. And mom, if you're listening, I love you. Um, and dad also, but I, my mom listens to the podcast. My dad doesn't, <laughs> um, uh, to my knowledge, father, if you are, hello. Um, but I just never know what reaction I'm going to get <laughs> on, especially when it concerns horses and money. Um, because let's be honest, they are money pits and mine is a, a, a quite an exceptional money pit. Um, so I was, my dad was like, well, I mean, I think her, you know, I don't know if her insurance is still active or not, but, um, let me look into it and I'll let you know. And I was like, oh my God, yes. Um, and my mom was like, well, she's your, your one horse. Like you only have one and she's it. So like, of course. And I was like, oh my God, who are you guys? <laughs> and like, uh, I thought the horse thing was an inconvenience and now you're like on board with it. Hell yeah. So it just, it couldn't have gone better. And I'm, super grateful that I have such supportive parents and I don't have to do this alone or finance it out of pocket because Zoe is insured. And our insurance company um, was like, yeah, of course, like, let's do it. We're glad you guys went the conservative route at first to, you know, try and avoid a surgery that's, you know, quite expensive for the insurance company. But um, now, like, let's do it. Um, which brings me to... Um, you can find it on my website because I've uploaded it. Um, it's under the we had to move forward with the surgery subheading. Um, and there's like a little a little button on the kiss on the blog post about Zoe called see their kissing spine FAQ page. So this is where I'm going to get into like the details of the surgery and the process. So 
Um, after I talked to my dad on Easter, he called me back a couple days later, I think on like Wednesday, um, which was the seventh and for relevance, uh, Easter was on the fourth. So, or relativity, I guess. So, um, he called me and he was like, the insurance called me back and they say to go ahead with it. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I will do that then. So I got done running a few errands and got home and I Googled Texas Equine Hospital, found their number and called with nothing. I'd browsed their website before and I didn't see any like specific information. So I just called the front desk and I believe the lady's name was Stacy and she was very nice. Um, And she gave or she emailed me a um, like their little FAQ page over the kissing spine surgery um, and with instructions. And so I wrote up an email to Dr. Hannes and I texted him, letting him know that I sent him Zoe's information and radiographs. And he texted me back and he was like, yep, I see four to possibly five spaces to operate on. It looks pretty standard. Um, let's go ahead. And I was like, it's that easy. <laughs> okay. So I called back the front desk and I was like, all right, Dr. Hanna said he'd like to proceed. Um, she's a good candidate for surgery. And, um, uh, she was like, okay, um, well, we have an opening on the 16th. <laughs> uh, we had a cancellation, so we could do it the morning of the 16th if you can bring her down the day before. And I was like, uh, ah, uh, okay. So remember I'm calling on like the 7th or 8th. And she's talking about the 16th. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I guess I can make that happen. Sure. So we got her scheduled and I've been prepping her the past couple of days by just getting her out of her field because God knows when the last time she was out of her field. And, um, you know, just cleaning her up a little bit, doing some beauty shop, actually taking care of my horse. Um, She just stays so clean in the pasture usually that it's not an issue, but her mane was getting quite long. And Zoe has a Connemara mane, like it is the thickest, most ridiculous mane ever. Some of you might know that I usually roach it, but I wasn't really in the mood to show up with a polo pony. Um, no hate to polo ponies. A little bit of hate, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I just, it doesn't always look great. It looks good grown out. It doesn't look good when it's freshly shaved. I mean, it does a little bit. Zoe can rock it, but eh. So I was like, let's let's just clean her up a little bit. So I did her mane and clipped her um, you know, her, the, oh my God, the hair around her air guts, like on her fetlock and, uh, her tail and stuff just got her all cleaned up and looking nice and groomed. So, um, now we are set to leave tomorrow. Me and my mom are planning on rolling out of here at 10. I will be driving six hours pulling the trailer, which is going to kill my neck, but it'll be fine. Um, and then I'll know more. So this is why I wanted to record the episode today because tomorrow I'm going to have a lot more information, but I'm not going to know how the surgery went. So I'm planning on just doing this episode and then hopefully when I find a good time after her surgery and probably after I get her back, then I can, you know, kind of do a story time similar to this one of recounting the experience and what all went on and, um, you know, how she's doing now. I'm hoping uh, we're staying down on Thursday night and then her surgery will be Friday morning. And um, I was told that you can typically watch the surgeries, but due to COVID, I will not be able to, which pisses me off so bad. I'm so 
like I get it I understand and I respectfully was like okay yeah that makes sense whatever um but oh my god that makes me so mad like I could watch my horse's surgery and I could be there but I can't because of this stupid freaking (laughs) thing that like I know everybody's tired of hearing about it but it's just like oh and I know there are more things to be upset about regarding COVID um but it's that's just like I really wanted to be there and watch it and um you know film it too but like god that pisses me off so bad I got to watch Bo's surgery my last horse uh when he had a keratoma removed but I don't know they will not let me watch which is unfortunate but I'm hoping that we can stay um you know, we've got a hotel booked, but I'm hoping that they'll let me see her afterwards. Otherwise, I'm going to throw a fit. Like, I will wear a mask and a glove and a hazmat suit, but please just let me see my horse after surgery. Please. So, um, I've got all of her food packed and everything um, and ready to go for her because I don't want to change too much. But, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. And um, the surgery actually is pretty inexpensive and I don't usually talk about money but um if you guys have ever had any sort of thing done to your horse you know horses are ridiculously expensive and kissing spine surgery is surprisingly cheap um so at Texas Equine they base it based on how many spaces they have to reduce so um I don't believe that Dr. Hannes does the ligament snip surgery um which I guess I could touch on a little bit here um, there are a few different approaches to kissing spine, uh, surgical treatment, and you can read more and listen to more about those approaches on my, um, on my website under the education tab, topics, kissing spine. Um, there are so many different approaches, but, um, the one that seems to have the greatest success rate long-term is the bone shaving, um, where essentially they just cut open the horse's back. A lot of them do it while the horse is standing. I'm not sure which Zoe will have, whether she'll be anesthetized or whether she'll be standing and have a local anesthetic on. Um, and you know, obviously sedation, but, um, they can actually perform it while they're standing. And then they essentially shave off the front of the bone. So, um, if you think about those spinal processes that rise up, like if you were to lift your four fingers in front of your face, you know, and hold them up, that's the spinal processes. And on the front end of each of them where they're impinging, they pretty much just take off, like just shave it down. Imagine what a river does to a pebble as it erodes away and makes it a nice round, smooth pebble. That's what they're trying to do. Um, obviously, it's a little bit difficult, especially when the horse is standing, to make it a pretty and lovely experience. Um, I watched a couple of them, and it it it's it looks bad. It looks really, really bad. Um, but anyway, the point is to create more space so it's not impinging, and in the process, they are not able to shave off the front of the bone where it's impinging without cutting the ligament, which provides a local analgesic, which means that there are no nerves there that can be painful. So um, that is pretty much the extent of my knowledge on that. Uh, People don't really like to talk about like, if it still hurts, like if it would still hurt if they could feel it. Um, But, you know, 
that's that's originally why I was against the surgery in the first place was because like cutting the ligament in the back sounds like a really awful thing. But um, after doing more research and digging more into the success stories on the backside, it is a very, very high success rate of um, the kissing spine surgery. And every like I haven't heard one bad experience, not one. And I have dug and I haven't heard anything bad about it. Literally every single person that I've asked, um, you know, on the Facebook group, Horses with Kissing Spine or on Instagram, like literally everyone is like, the horses that I've known that have had it are a night and day different horse. They are completely different and they are so much better, so much happier and living their best lives. Um, you know, a lot of them go back to full work. Zoe obviously will not because of her hawks, but um, I'm really interested to see what happens after. I'm not holding my breath because Zoe is still a thoroughbred spicy lady who has been this way since she was, you know, very young. But it would be really cool to see her feel more comfortable and relax. So I don't know. That's that's what I'm hoping for, um, manifesting, if you will. But um, yeah, so that's that's the surgery. Um, I haven't heard great things about the ligament snip surgery, um, but the bone shaving one does seem to be the best. Um, so there's that. Um, and the pricing is based on the amount of spaces that they reduce. So if, you know, there's one impinging space or two, then the price goes and I'll list the cost. So one space is 2000 two spaces is 2400 Three spaces is twenty eight hundred. Four spaces is thirty two hundred, and five spaces is thirty six hundred. Six to seven is four, and eight or more is forty five hundred. So, um, relatively speaking, not an expensive surgery. I'm pretty sure Bose keratoma removal was ten grand. Um, so, yeah, not a uh, not an expensive surgery, relatively, because all they had to do for Bose surgery was cut out a part of his hoof. That was it. But they're literally removing pieces of a horse's spine. And it's not, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why it's so cheap, but um, that's something I have to add in there. So Zoe is three to possibly four spaces. So um, it'll be 32 to 36. Um, but like I said, she is insured. So that is not something that we have to concern ourselves with, which is something I'm very grateful for because I was getting ready to pay it out of my savings, which is a grand total of four grand, um, <laughs> cause I have no money, but I was going to do it if insurance wasn't going to cover it because I had made my decision. Um, but yeah, so that's on that. So we have to drop her off the day prior to surgery and, um, you know, they said you're allowed to bring your own feed or a blanket or whatever you have. Um, and I have Zoe's feed all packed and pre-portioned and all that good stuff because I am a helicopter mom a little bit. Um, but then I'm going to read you guys their information on the post-op care because I think a lot of people were interested in that. So it says, in most cases, horses will stay two to three days after surgery. These days are included in the surgery cost. Discharge instructions will be texted and or emailed to you with details on how to care for your horse during the, during the healing process. Your horse will um, leave with a stent, a towel, which has been sutured over the incision. Uh, these will stay securing the stent until 10 days from the surgery date, at which point they have to be removed. And then at 14 days from the surgery date, the staples will need to be removed. So, um, I am, I can remove the sutures, but, um, 
uh, or I could have the vet remove them and I will probably have my vet remove the staples because holy shit, no. Um, so, uh, there's no need to return for a post-op or anything like that. Also, I did want to note that, um, the cost of the surgery, I'm going to read this caveat because it blew my mind because horses are always so expensive and this is just like unfathomable to me. Um, these costs include radiographs, all surgical expenses, daily treatments, and hospitalization for your horse's required stay. Any additional days outside of this and, uh, medicine will be addition at additional costs. So pretty much the whole thing is covered under the price of the surgery, um, which I think is fantastic that they just give you like a straight up quote at the get go. But um, so here is the rest of the information. So. Your horse will need to be kept in a stall for two weeks after surgery, then kept in a small paddock for 30 days, and then placed in a pasture if available for 30 days. Um, if pasture is not available, leave in paddock. You may begin riding under saddle at 70 to 90 days, depending on how healing has progressed and the number of spaces operated. So um, my understanding is that, um, you know, we'll be... Um, you know, I'll probably be, because we're leaving on the 15th, which is tomorrow, to drop her off. The surgery is the morning of the 16th, and then she has to stay two to three days after the surgery. So I'll either be picking her up on April 19th, 20th, or 21st. I don't know yet. Um, so there's that. And then she'll have to be on stall rest for two weeks, which I'm hoping if I talk to them and I can be like, look, we have a round pin and I could like put her buddies outside. I think she would be a lot calmer if she could see our friends and like touch noses with them. The round pin's not that much bigger than a stall. Can I have a long acting tranquilizer? Those sorts of things. Um, so all of that to say, um, I'm going to see if I can make her a little bit more comfortable because I really don't want to keep her in a stall for two weeks. I, that sounds like hell for her because she's already had to do that um, several times now at this point. Um, but, you know, if they say absolutely not, then I will do what's best to help her heal. But, um, yeah, so very cool. 70 to 90 days after back surgery, like major back surgery, you can start writing them, which is great. I don't know. I'm planning, I'm planning on doing a lot of groundwork with her. This will also be occurring like right in the middle of our move because we're moving farms at the very end of May. So, um, you know, that'll probably be the time she's ready to go out in a pasture. So, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that it's all happening like right now, <laughs> like all of this all at once. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see how things go and, you know, keep up with her and see what's happening. But I think that is about all that I have personally. Um, but I did ask you guys on Instagram if you had any particular questions for me. So I'm going to go ahead and pull those up. Hold on. Let me refresh it. Okay. So I'm just going to scroll through these. Um, how long is the recovery typically? Um, I'm assuming it is over the 90 days. And like I said, I will know more after the surgery and I'm planning to make an episode about that, um, you know, kind of going over it. And I'm sure I'll get some like post-op um, paperwork to help me explain that. Um, okay. Da -da -da -da. So what does recovery look like? Um, I just explained the like kind of timeline but I believe like the entire time, I'm pretty sure like after they go out in pasture is when you can start um, 
you know, doing groundwork with them, like when they're able to be moving more. And so for Zoe, I'm hoping that I can acquire some Surefoot pads to uh, work with those. If you don't know what those are, I really recommend listening to Wendy Murdoch's podcast. Um, I believe it's called the Murdoch Method um, or Wendy Murdoch or something, but um, she does, she's the owner of Surefoot Equine and she, the Surefoot pads are really weird. (laughs) Like, I don't know why they work, but listening to her episodes, I'm sold and I would like them for myself as well. So I'm going to see if I can't get some of those. And, um, so that'll be part of her rehab. Um, lots of lunging with the, uh, elastic butt band on, which is more of a proprioceptive reminder to tuck her hind end a little bit more. I will not be using a Pessoa system and you could not pay me enough money to use one. They do not teach the horse to travel well. I'm also planning um, on looking more into like the Art 2 Ride program, which is um, a lot of it is really targeted at kissing spine horses and rehab like that. Um, so helping build up her core strength and her top line to um, before I get on. And, um, you know, I would like to find a way to work with some weights before I actually get on her to build up that strength, um, which is something I've been procrastinating doing, but I'm going to have to break in or get Lexi started under saddle anyway. So, um, that would be part of that process, but, um, yeah. So could this make her rideable? Yes. Hopefully, um, we are doing the bone shave surgery, the worst outcome and the best outcome. Well, best outcome, I'm able to, you know, ride her again and she's comfortable and happy and pain-free. Worst outcome would be, you know, the surgery proving fatal um, or, you know, something going wrong and screwing up her back. But um, let's not manifest that. Um, how will it affect her career value as a horse? That's an interesting question. Um I mean, I don't know from, like, an insurance standpoint how it'll affect her value. I'm sure her back will no longer be insured, but um, uh, I don't know. I'm not reselling her, so I'm not really concerned um, with her value or her career because she doesn't have a career at present anyway. She's been retired from eventing for two years now. Um, But, and as a horse, she is quite valuable to me, so... um, yeah, more about fused versus arthritic hocks and how that happens, what that means. Um, I'm hoping in the future I'll be able to do an episode about this. There's a ton of information out there about it. The horse.com is a really good place to learn about it. Um, but I am planning on researching it and I will do an episode about it. Um, I don't know when, but it will happen. Um, is this common in a lot of horses? Are they born with it or it progresses over time? Um, yes, it's actually very common, uh, especially in thoroughbreds and quarter horses. Um, and it is a genetic thing at the moment. That's That seems to be the consensus. Um, will Zoe be able to have high strenuous activity? If not, how will that affect her training? Um, so it's kind of a catch-22 because of her hawks. Um I am planning to do a lot of dressage with her. Um, they probably won't be super long rides, but, um, you know, I've actually, I actually learned this from Kane Meyer, my buddy from California that I had on the podcast a little while back. Um, thinking of riding kind of like a hit workout. Um, if you don't know what that is, you can look it up. I believe it's H I I T. 
Um, but it's like a high intensity interval training. I don't know. But um, you just like it's not a long workout. You don't ride for an hour. Um, you would just do, you know, 20 minutes or so of good, proper exercise and then be done with it, which is actually how I was working out with my um with our muscle therapist, um, who works on Zoe and I, um, she's also a personal trainer and I did a website for her. So she trained me in exchange and, um, that's what we did. And while I got fit really quickly, just doing 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, I covered the decision process for the surgery, um, covered the symptoms um, how to prevent it, better breeding, not mass breeding. Um, yeah, things like that. And I don't, I, like I said, I don't know if it can be caused by an environmental factor for sure, but it definitely can't help to have a saddle that doesn't fit and thus a horse that travels inverted or bad training or, uh, too large an emphasis on jumping and not enough on proper dressage and flat work. Cause I don't care what discipline you do you know, be it barrel racing or, you know, futurity type stuff or, uh, cart horses, polo, eventing, show jumping, doesn't matter. They need to have a dressage foundation. It doesn't, it just doesn't matter. (laughs) They have to. Um, so how am I going to do the rehab with positive reinforcement? Um, I don't know yet. So it's going to depend on what I need to do. And like I said, I'll have more information after the surgery, Um, you know, because I'm sure they're going to recommend some rehab protocols. So once I have a better grasp on what we're going to need to do, then I can start making training plans and all that good stuff. Um, But at present, I don't know. And, um, you know, if I have to do a lot of just regular lunging, I am not necessarily opposed to that. Zoe is very kind on the lunge. She does everything off of vocal cues and travels pretty happily. So, um, you know, it's not ideal. Um, you know, I don't enjoy chasing her with a whip, but, um, you know, it's, she goes, let me put it this way. She goes better on the lunge line than she does following a target because for some reason that's more frustrating. And I believe it's because I screwed up in the beginning of my training and did not make it clear that the point was not to touch the target, but to just follow it and that there's built-in duration involved. And instead I just like started moving the thing that she was supposed to touch and she didn't get it. So that I'm going to have to go back and, you know, fill in the gap there. But, um, you know, it it's a little bit of a tricky situation because it is a rehab, not Um, You know, I don't have all this time to train it because it's kind of crucial that you get them fit, um, you know, to kind of help the treatment stick, if you will. It's not like um, I have never heard of after a bone shave, if the horse didn't stay in proper work that, you know, they got kissing spine again. Um, I haven't heard of that happening, but, um, you know, it's possible, I guess. But at the same time, like, I can't imagine that it's a good thing. I, you know, it's kind of like us humans. If we're not strong enough to hold our bodies correctly and move correctly, then we're going to end up, end up painful. So it's really important to me that I get her rehabbed correctly, um, you know, for her good, for her own good. Um, 
I think I pretty much covered what made me decide to go through with it. Um, just the re-X-raying and um, kind of coming to terms and realizing that it's not going to get better. And I, there was hope after the first set of x-rays and now there's not. <laughs> I mean, there is hope because thankfully there's a surgery um, that we can do that has a really high success rate. So, um, you know, but um, will the shaved bone grow back over time? No, it does not. Zoe is over 10, so her back is pretty well set. Um, you know, of course, just like any other body part, I suppose there is a chance of, you know, like osphytes and things like that, osteophytes. Um, but I don't think so. Hopefully, if all things go according to plan, the bone will not feel the need to calcify and add more bone. Um, so not entirely sure what recovery and rehab looks like in depth. I'm planning on doing an episode like that. Um, so is her bone misshapen from the overriding? It looks like it in the x-ray. Yes. Um, so if you go to my blog, which should be linked in the show notes of this episode, um, or if not, it's just jetequithery.com and you can click on blog and it's literally the first blog there. Um, but you can see where they've started overriding and crossing one another at the top and where it's really highlighted and white and where they're touching um and you can also google like a healthy horse spine to compare to zoe's x-rays um but um oh my client kate hi kate asked if i were to ever breed her could she pass it on to her foal and um i would say probably um you know it's the, all the vets seem to conclude that this is a genetic, um, oh, what do they call that? A congenial condition. So probably, um, but I don't plan on breeding her. I would love to have a baby Zoe, but I'm so scared because, oh my God, she's accident prone. And also she's had colic surgery before. So kind of risque. So anyway, as much as I'd love to have a baby Zoe, probably not. Um, Will it be completely fixed? Like, will you be able to ride her again? Yes, I will be able to ride her. Completely fixed is... Nah, I don't know if that's the way to put it. But um, from my understanding, yeah, they have a really, really high success rate of the horses not being painful. Um, and, you know, as far as functionality goes, it seems to be, like, pretty much returning to... Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Returning to a new normal. Um so, um, yeah, so I think that's about it. Um, that's all the responses that I found. Let me refresh it one more time just because I'm here. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much gonna cover the bad boy. Um, <laughs> everything, everything. Don't worry about it. The ADHD girl. I just want to talk. I just talk. I want to know it all. I love that. <laughs> that is me. Um, we let the ADHD flow in this episode because I covered a lot. But yeah, if there's anything I missed, I promise you it is in the blog post. And uh, like I said, you can find that on my website. You can find all the information that I have compiled um, under equine edu and then under topics. It is kissing spine. There's a big picture of back x-ray. You can scroll to find the definition, my other podcast episode on it, the blog post. So it looks like six uh, 
podcasts from other people that I have compiled in a list for you guys. Um, then a bunch of videos on Kissing Spine, as well as their um, descriptions, a bunch of articles from like Heels Down, Platinum Performance. The Horse Platinum Performances is really good. Um, that is the one that preceded the um, the video uh, lecture that I watched with a bunch of the professionals. Um, then I have all of Texas Equine Hospital's information and their kissing spine surgery FAQ that I read to you guys earlier, um, as well as a bunch of academic studies and some rehab articles of which I have skimmed and not fully read through, which I'm planning on doing in the next couple of days, which I will also talk about probably in the next episode, um, you know, whenever I have time, because I think things are about to get pretty hectic. So I guess I should also say that this episode is not me coming back. Uh, I am still planning on waiting to get back to a regularly scheduled programming after the move because things are going to get really stressful and I just don't want to have one other thing to worry about. So, um, yeah, I also need to apologize to the patrons of this podcast. I promise you, I am going to answer your question. I have them all written down in a document, but I have not had a free moment over the past like month or two to have a look at them and like record an episode maybe. Um, but I am going to post a public episode for everyone to listen to um, about that because I think a few people have asked and unsubscribed from the Patreon, which is totally acceptable. <laughs> like I would have done the exact same thing, like answer me, bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that is coming. And if you are listening and you were a patron and canceled, um, but you asked a question, I am going to answer it. I will do my best. And if I don't, please shoot me an email and like send me some modicum of proof that you asked a question and I will get to it in the next episode. I promise. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much what's coming. I am planning to vlog the whole experience. Um, you know, there probably won't be much of like, oh, this is Zoe and surgery, but like I tried, I really did for you guys. I promise. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna make some videos about it and keep making podcasts about it. Keep you guys updated as well as posts on Instagram. So I think with all of that said, that's all I've got. I'm going to link everything in the description of this episode down below and be sure to follow me and Zoe and our progress as I'll be posting it on Jet Equitheory on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And as always, be sure to follow the podcast, Instagram, and Facebook as well as the YouTube if you are not listening on there. Um, this website or this podcast also has its own website equitheorypodcast.com and i have my website jetequitheory.com both of them are run and created by me so please appreciate them anyway my throat is killing me i'm gonna call it please make sure you're following and subscribe to the podcast so that you guys can keep up and i just want to say thank you all for your patience with me not staying regular and posting all the time um i appreciate your patience and understanding it's just it's been ridiculous. Um, and to everyone who has wished us luck and sent good vibes, healing energy our way, I really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I guess with that said, um, I will catch you guys after Zoe's surgery. So have a good one. And please, God, wish us luck. I'm so nervous. <laughs> oh my God. With that, I'm going to let you guys go. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.